Hey there, Crimeholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kinsey, and I'm here with another Missing Monday episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created because at any given time, 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority of them are still missing today. And it is my goal here at Crimeholics to give missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that I can. On this episode of Missing Mondays, I will be talking about a topic that is very close to my heart and hits very close to home for me, and that is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women movement. If you have been listening to our show for some time now, then you know that this is a topic that we take very seriously. For those of you that do not know, while I was living in South Dakota, I was a foster parent for Native American children, and I was just three months shy from adopting my foster daughter and the more that I got to know about her and her culture is when I realized that there was very much an epidemic against Native American women and children. Currently, Native American women and children are being murdered at a 10 times higher rate than the national average. In 2017, the National Crimes Information Center reported that 322,865 women are missing. 10,642 of those are missing Native Americans. 8,177 are missing Native American children. 5,172 are missing Native American women and girls. And the Department of Justice has only logged in 116 cases in their database. Where the hell are we dropping the ball? 84% of Native American women have experienced some form of violence in their lifetime. And I can tell you when I fostered Native American children and specifically my foster daughter, her family, who I became very close with, had told me that every single woman in their family had experienced some form of of sexual assault, violence, or had been murdered. What is it going to take for a change to happen to end this epidemic against Native American women? I can tell you that I will never stop talking about this epidemic until something changes. On this episode of Missing Mondays, I will be bringing you the disappearances of Ida Beard and Daisy May Heath. Ida Beard is a 29-year-old mother of four missing from the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes. She left one night to go spend some time with her friends and never returned home. Ida's friends and family all said that it is highly unlikely that she made the decision to walk away from her children and family. At the time of her disappearance, she was taking care of her mother as well as her children. Ida was always the type of mother who was very attentive and has always been there for her kids who were all under the age of 16. On June 30th, 2015, Ida made plans with her friends who lived not even that far from her home. Prior to leaving, Ida hugged her daughter goodbye and told her she would be returning home later that evening, but Ida never made it. Her mother, Rebecca, felt it was off for Ida to not return home without some type of heads up, but she thought to herself, maybe Ida was taking some very much needed alone time. As the next day turns into night, Rebecca starts to get alarmed and knows that now is the time to reach out to the police. If you have been following the MMIW epidemic closely since I started covering it, then you know what I'm about to say next. The police were no help whatsoever when Rebecca tried to report her daughter missing. As usual, when it comes to Native American women, she was met with, I'm sure she will return 
return soon. I'm sure she was just out partying or maybe she walked away from her life due to the amount of stress she was under, which walking away from your life isn't a crime. We hear these same things every single time an indigenous woman goes missing. As any Native American family does when their loved one goes missing, they turn to the people in their community for answers. Of course, majority of the people in Ida's community all said they had not seen her and had no clue where she went. The police did not even really start investigating her disappearance until July 15th, 2015, two weeks later after she went missing. And to be honest, I wouldn't even call this an investigation. There was hardly any interview conducted when she first disappeared. It even took several years for those interviews to even take place. And what's so fucked up here is that the home where Ida was last seen at has since been completely renovated since her disappearance and any possible evidence that may have been tied to her case is now gone forever. And what's so frustrating furthermore about Ida's disappearance is the lack of information that is out there in the media. It was so hard to come across any article that didn't have the same small amount of information. Since 2015, there has only been one statement made by the police and that statement took place in 2021. They took to the media to say that they are very much still actively searching for Ida, but they are hoping that she will just show up one day and say, I had to walk away from my life. It seems so much that the police already had this preconceived notion in their head that she just walked away. And because of that notion, they haven't done shit to try and find her. There are four children and now a grandbaby without a mother and grandmother. No answers, no leads, no tips, nothing but unanswered questions and not a step closer to any closure. When are things going to change? Because the information that I just gave to you is every single bit of information that I could find in the media about her disappearance. There has been no investigation. There has been no real true interviews conducted. There has been no properties searched by law enforcement. And the media has nothing but crickets. Something has got to change. Ida and her family being failed by law enforcement fueled the fire to make a change. According to Oklahoma Watch, Senate Bill 172 was signed into law in April to help knock down some of the hurdles that Native American families face when their loved ones are murdered or go missing. The law requires Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations to secure federal funding to establish an office of liaison and create a database to keep up with these cases. Families are always uncertain whether to report these cases to local police, tribal law enforcement, or federal authorities. Now families can report directly to the state's Office of Liaison for Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. Ida Beard and her family have been failed like many other Native American families, but how many more Native American women, children, and men have to go missing and be murdered and laws be put into place for something to actually happen and for something to actually change? All of these families are facing so much heartbreak and this epidemic just continues on and on each day. It's so heartbreaking when I go to research these cases about Native American people and I can only come up with just a few minute episode because of the lack of information about them in the media. They deserve so much more than what they are getting. You hear me tell these stories of these missing and murdered indigenous people but I highly encourage you if you know anybody who is Native American I encourage you to sit down with them and listen to their struggles that they face day in and day out because I promise you it will open your your eyes and it'll change the way you look at things. It is so sad listening and knowing what they face day in and day out. Ida and her family deserve justice and they deserve some answers. 
Ida Beard went missing on June 30th, 2015 from El Reno, Oklahoma. She is a beautiful Native American woman with brown hair and brown eyes and stands at 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed up 120 pounds at the time of her disappearance. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Ida Beard, you are encouraged to call the El Reno Police Department at 405 405- 262-6941. The disappearance of Daisy May Heath is a lot like the disappearance of Ida Beard. There is very, very little information about her disappearance in the media. She was a 29-year-old Native American woman who went missing from the Yakima Reservation in Washington. According to her sister Patsy, she was a very lively woman. She loved to travel, loved to play sports, and was very competitive. She spent a lot of time with her family, and like the majority of other Native American women, she had experienced a whole lot of grief and loss throughout her lifetime. As a young child, Daisy May's mother passed away and that led to her grandparents raising both her and her sister, Patsy. Her sister, Patsy, said that although they experienced a lot of grief and a lot of loss, that did not stop Daisy May from doing all the things that she loved and all the things that she was passionate about. She became super big into sports and would often travel to compete, but things would come to a halt on that end when Daisy became pregnant. She was so excited about being a mom, she was slightly nervous, but she knew that she was going to do a good job. After her daughter was born, very sadly, her life came to an end due to SIDS. This really crushed Daisy, but again, she did not allow that to stop her from doing all the things she loved. Daisy, again, became super big into the sports and traveling to different areas to compete, and she made this her passion, and that is what she focused on. Because Daisy was always traveling for sports or was visiting her friends, it was not unusual for her sister Patsy to go long periods of time without seeing her, and Patsy is who she was living with at the time of her disappearance. The very last time she saw her sister alive was August 30th, 1987. She had left town to go travel for a softball tournament and she never returned home. But Patsy did not report her sister missing until October 29th, 1987. So almost two months later, there was no information in the media why Patsy had waited so long to report her missing. But from the pieces that I could find. It just seems that it was 1987. There wasn't any cell phones. There was no social media. It was kind of hard to be able to get a hold of people at the time. And like she said, it wasn't unusual for her not to see her sister for a long period of time. So she just chalked it up that she was either still traveling for these tournaments or she was visiting with friends, but she would eventually return home. After two months had gone by, she realized something was off. And so that is why she alerted the police. But again, she was met with the same thing Ida's family was, that her sister just likely walked away and she would return back soon. But obviously, Daisy May is still missing. There has never been an investigation done. There has been no tips. There has been no follow-up. There's been no interviews in her disappearance. The only real piece of information that is known about her disappearance is that on August 30th, 1987, she was traveling from White Swan, Washington to White Springs, Washington for that softball tournament. And according to her sister, in order to get to White Springs from White Swan, There is one stretch of highway that has to be taken and it's primarily about three, three hour and a half drive from there. But this was not like your typical interstate or like highway travel. This was a pretty very rural country back road and there could be anybody out there on these country roads. Anything could have happened to Daisy May on that stretch of road. Her keys and backpack were even found 
found in a very remote, closed-off area on a reservation called Soda Springs. And that has never even been investigated. The lack of urgency in her case is just so alarming. Daisy May Heath went missing from White Swan, Washington, the Yakima Reservation. She was 29 years old when she went missing, and she is a beautiful Native American female with black hair and brown eyes who stands at 5 feet 3 inches tall and weighed approximately 185 pounds at the time of her disappearance. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Daisy May Heath, you are encouraged to call the Yakima Nation Tribal Police at 509-865-2933. Someone somewhere knows exactly what happened to both of these women and it is going to take continuing to say their names and telling their stories in order for that person, wherever they are, to step forward and give the police the information that is needed to bring these families closure that they deserve in these women justice. Whether there is tons of information in the media or there is very little information in the media, I will always continue to share these stories of Native American women. They deserve so much more than they are getting. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast or you can follow me personally at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore on Instagram. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.